So we can just continue in that. Um, I think I think that'll be good. We'll go over a little bit this morning of what we've done. But look, I think at the end of the day, I think basically the more a more equipped we come back in the Bible, the better it is we can help someone. So let's let's pray and we'll just see what the Lord has. Father, we ask today, Lord, you'd wash us and cleanse us in the precious blood of Christ. Lord, that thy spirit would fill us and we just ask you'd use this time together. As Lord, we meet together around this phone. What a what a funny thing that is, Lord. But we just thank you for these things now in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Amen. I th- sort of think of the I think of the um, I think of that thing where the Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name, there He's in the midst. <laughs> I, I guess God, <laughs> I guess God's big enough to be in our midst. What do you reckon, guys? <laughs> yes, yeah. He's in heaven and earth at the same time. So. Yeah. So we'll go to we'll go to First um, John chapter five again, and we'll pick it up. I'll probably read down from say verse four, and we'll go down to maybe verse sixteen, and then we'll sort of recap. And I want to give you the thought again that this is the record which you'll see in this passage. And so, so when John's writing, if you remember, the key to the book of John that he's writing to the believer, and that's the key. He writes to us because I think that's the thing to remember. He writes, and these things are, we write unto you that your joy may be full. So that's in chapter 1, verse 4. So that's the purpose of, of, of writing to us. So therefore, really, First John then is to the believer. And I think... Um, you can really take note of that. And then he says, so we'll pick it up and then we'll recap. He says, whatsoever, sorry, excuse me, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So Christianity is about our faith and what overcomes the world is our faith that we do believe that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the, in the flesh. You know, Christianity and churches should never be a commodity if you take it, if you just take what John's writing to us. It's not a commodity. It's not something, it should never be something where, where it becomes like the world where somehow you make merchandise of either God's people or you make money from even meeting together. Because really that's not our faith. Our faith is really here clearly showing that whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And of course we have been born again, which we've mentioned. And then he says in verse 6, then he comes to where he says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Of course that recaps the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ where the water is the natural birth and the blood in particular for Mary where the Holy Ghost overshadowed her and the holy thing that to be born of her was of God so you have God's blood mentioned here even Jesus Christ so there was no other man like Jesus where he was he was human but he had God's blood he couldn't have had man's blood he couldn't have had the hereditary nature that we all have from Adam's fallen race and therefore 
he could not be the propitiation of man's sins, which John talks about uh, here very clearly, where he mentions the word propitiation a couple of times because the only thing that appeased the holiness of God on sin was that appeased the wrath of God or the judgment of God, whereas in the Old Testament, if you remember, that by faith Abel offered the right offering, it was received or accepted, which was the picture of an innocent lamb being slain. And of course, Cain's offering was rejected. It was his pride, the work of his own hands, and therefore he wouldn't take the instruction from God when God said to say, Cain, you, you do well if you go to your brother. But Cain wouldn't do that and he could have brought the right offering. And if you think about this, really, that every man, woman and child on earth just needs to receive Christ because that is the right offering to be made for our sins. So there's that first, so there's that first thing, miraculous birth. But then you add on the fact that not by water only but by water and blood and it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. Now, here's the difference. When you're saved, you and I now have the Spirit of God because we are born of the Spirit of God. It bears witness, the Holy Ghost does, to the fact that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. And so therefore you cannot explain that to the natural man or the lost person unless they receive the Spirit of God. So... We went through the natural man, and if you've got a moment, let's just go over to, let's go over to Second Corinthians again. Just go over that again. It's only really to go over these passages so you remember them, because it's important. Where, when Paul's talking to that, the carnal-minded believer of the Corinthians, he wants to point out to them that. He says, we're in verse 9 of you know, 1 Corinthians chapter, he says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God had revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So therefore, without being saved, without the Spirit of God, you're not going to know these things unless you are born again, you have the Spirit of God. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So, of course, it's always going to be an issue for a believer then when we say that, Je that Jesus was God man manifest in the flesh. Um, we know that because we have the Spirit of God who bears witness to the written word, you could say. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, amen, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. So therefore one of the rules with the Bible is it interprets itself while you compare you compare scripture with scripture, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And of course, if you think about it, the natural man is not going to search the scriptures unless he's looking for the Lord. Um, received, uh, excuse me, and they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because 
they are spiritually discerned. So just as a recap, when you come back to, say, verse 8 of 1 John, we come back to that recap where we have the witness, say, in verse 7, of heaven. So in heaven you have the Father. Of course, Jesus Christ is called the Word. It's interesting that, isn't it? He is the Word and you have the written Word. Um, and then you have um, the Holy Ghost. These three are witnesses in heaven. These three t- uh, t- are one. But then verse 9, if we receive the witness of me- oh, excuse me, verse 8, and there are three that bear witness in earth. Now the Spirit and the water and the blood, these three agree in one. Now this would, in context, would have to deal with the born-again believer because we are a witness. So there's a witness in heaven. You and I are a witness to the Scriptures. We're a witness to the truth because you and I have the Holy Ghost. And so therefore the Spirit, so therefore we are born of the Spirit. And that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So therefore, the water here must be not dealing with the water of a natural birth, where Nicodemus said, how can a man go back in the second time into the womb? Um, he's saying here that that water has to be then that heavenly water, where he also says, where Peter says, we're born again by what? The word of God. So the word of God is a heavenly water, and then you have the blood. Of course, the blood of Christ is accounted, is put to our account as soon as you and I received or you got saved. So the blood of Christ has been put to our account. That blood appeases the Father, and therefore we now become a witness. He that believeth on the Son of God, verse 10, have the witness in himself. Now, this is important. I don't always know if someone's saved. Is that true? Yes. But it's important whether that person knows and understands they have that witness in themselves. And I think that witness in themselves is that the witness is that he used the word illuminate, lumen, um, in Hebrews 10, verse 32. Have you noticed when you, when you sometimes read the scriptures, how it lightens to you, it, it might move, it might... It speaks to you. You can't necessarily explain that, but there's but you but you have a witness to the fact that the Bible is true. The words of God are His words. That there's a witness there. So we have this witness within ourselves. You can test you can test that witness when when you take say if you think about that the water must be dealing with the written word or or water from heaven. You can't explain it exactly, but you put this Bible and you open it up in public and it, it has a reaction <laughs> like no other. I mean, if you want to be called a Bible basher, just do that, okay? It won't, um, won't take them long before they start doing that. Because why, and we'll come to this in a moment, there's a witness. So we are a witness. And then he goes on. Um, so we have the witness of God, which he have testified of his son. So we have that witness within ourselves. So therefore we are... You could say of like faith. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God, now here's the point, have made him a liar. So here we go. We're making God a liar because he believeth not the record that God 
gave of his son. You know, it really doesn't there's not a big there's not a big jump from belief from unbelief to belief, is there? Really, if you think about it. No. You're in unbelief or you believe. So here he's making it very clear that that with people make God a liar, and of course that's half the problem when you talk to people about even the current events of this world at the moment. And then he says, and this is the record that God have given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So we, we have this record, he that have the Son have life, he that have not the Son of God have not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Then he goes on, that ye may know. Now here's the point. He's writing unto us, and he makes it very clear that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that you know it and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. And therefore, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we decide of him. I'll come back to that part a little bit later. But So when you think of a record now, I've often likened um, the Bible like going down to the, the registry office for, um, you, know, you know, for deaths, births and marriages. <laughs> You've yep. got to go down to the registry office and, and you put your name and they go and check and then they'll give you a birth certificate. And it's a bit like this. It's a bit like this really with the Bible because... We come to it, it's like a registry, we come to it. Come over to John chapter 10 with me, John chapter 10. So we come down to, so it's like coming to the registry. And I suppose, I suppose somebody has to go and look in the records and they come out and they either give you a birth certificate and say, or they give you a marriage certificate or, or you might want to find out a death certificate. I was thinking about the death certificate is that really in... If you go to Romans chapter 7, uh, now where, where he says we're, we're now dead to the law because of Christ, we're now married to another. You know, John chapter 6 talks about that idea of being um, co-deaf with Christ. So we're buried with him. So there's that death we have with him, but there's the birth that we have with him. And then, so when you come to John chapter 10, John chapter 10 if you think about what John chapter 10 says, and let's read it, because Jesus is talking here to the Pharisees. and You probably know these verses. Oh, is that outside, um, Jace? I can hear it talking? Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so... In John chapter 10, notice what the Lord says here. It's important, I really think, this is for the believer. Verily, very I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. He that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, obviously, Jesus Christ is our shepherd. We are his sheep. We've been born again, redeemed. To him that the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. This is the important bit. The porter here would be the Holy Ghost. The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. 
he leadeth them out. So the Lord leadeth him out. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how it's the Lord really taking uh, us up to, you know, up to that area. It's the Lord who does this. It's not he leads us. It's not always we sometimes think it's we're doing it, but God, God does it. And he says, when he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and here's the key, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake unto them. And he goes on. You know, I was thinking about that. Why is it that a lot of Christians will stay with the voice of a stranger? Jesus actually tells you to flee, leave them. And he goes on, he talks about the hireling, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing, that idea. You know, as one man said, I always like it, he said, well, <laughs> he said, well, where did the wolf get the sheep's clothing from? It must, must have killed a sheep, amen. And of course, I suppose, in, in maybe spiritually, the sheep stayed with the stranger. So really, when you come to First John, John, I think, is really telling you and I believe as believers, no, I'm not going to walk with the stranger. I'm not going to just hang around because you want to make, say, the church, this, this church is a God. It might have been at one time, whatever the case might be. But the point is, we are to follow him. We know his voice. And mainly, though, we have the Holy Ghost that indwells us, which is a witness to the Spirit, and, and that Spirit witnesses to the truth which is really the written word of God so so therefore we have the record so we have a record now him that doesn't believe the record now that's the big issue um, mainly if you really bring the issue down to any person it always comes back to the Bible doesn't it at the end of the day will you believe what it says um, so we have this, the, the Spirit of God. Now can I just say something here, There's, make a statement. The written word does not contradict the Spirit of God. Now I know people think, oh, I'll show you what I mean. The written word does not contradict the Spirit of God. Because he says, not by water only, he says, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. Now think with me for a moment. So the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, will not contradict, or the written word will not con contradict the Spirit of God. Why is that? Who was the author of the Scriptures? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost was. Yes, yes. So the written word cannot contradict the Spirit. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's why we say that we have the King James Bible as the preserved Word of God. But secondly... The Spirit of God, um, but the Spirit of God also is the witness to Jesus Christ. So, you know, when you, so the Spirit of God is not going to contradict the Word of God. Um, the written Word, Jesus Christ is the Word, I mean, so, so it's important to understand that. And how do you know that the Spirit of God will not bear? Uh, the Word of God will not contradict or the Spirit of God will not contradict is because you and I have the Spirit of God in us that bears witness, now here's the key, to the mysteries of God. So say we know that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. 
we have the witness within ourselves and what would be the verse of scriptures that would come to your mind on that idea where we have the witness within ourselves? Who can give me? Lorena, Lorena, you know. What's that other mystery? To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning every man. So there's a, there's a witness to us, to the mysteries of God, which are revealed in the written word, and we know they're true because the Spirit of God somehow magnifies it and knows it. I've always found it very interesting that most, especially the fundamentalists or independent Baptists largely now, or the Briders, they attack, they attack the mysteries, they attack the body of Christ, they, they, they attack those things because they, want, they really want an organisation where the church becomes a... Com, a, a, a they make you a, a merchandise of you, you could say, um, where really, when it comes back to it, we a are commodity, yeah. yeah, commodity. Rather, we are born again believers. We have the Spirit of God. We have uh, we have that witness within ourselves. We have the witness of the Holy Ghost to the written word. We understand the written word will not uh, contradict the Holy Ghost because, or the or the other way around, or the Spirit of God will not contradict the written word because we know. Because of those witnesses, does that make sense? I don't. I don't need to get into the idea of when people start rewriting the Bible, uh, like I think you, Brett was saying yesterday about um, John MacArthur, how they mess with the blood. Well, how do we know about the blood of Christ? We have the written word, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? We have the Holy Ghost that bears witness to that. But more so. But also, if you think about this. There's three scriptures I want to give you. Go to John chapter 5, verse 39. So John chapter 5, verse 39. So we'll go over to John chapter 5, verse 39. Now, most of you probably, you probably guys know these scriptures, but it's just a way of remembrance. So in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said this. He said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Okay, so the scriptures are there to testify of Christ. And go to John, the Gospel of John chapter 7. So John chapter 7. And then if you think of the Holy Ghost, this is, um, this is a good one to remember about the Holy Ghost. Oh, this is actually what Jesus said here. Hang on, I'll go to John chapter 7 verse... Yeah, go to John chapter 7, verse 7. John 7, verse 7, sorry. Okay, so John 7, verse 7. Now notice Jesus Christ here, what he says. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil, going up unto this feast. Now notice that Jesus Christ was a testimony to the works that they were evil. Okay, that's why they didn't like him. He, was, he testified to the works um, as, a, as to this world. Now, have you noticed that as a Christian, are you loved by the world or are you sometimes hated by the world? Hated. Amen. <laughs> why? Because 
because we're going to come to the next verse, because as Christ was uh, testified, so are we a testimony in this world towards Jesus Christ. We're a testimony. So if you go over to John 15, 26, when, when Jesus Christ mentions the Holy Ghost to the disciples, he makes it very clear that he makes it very clear to him that when the Comforter has come, so this is John fifteen twenty six. So when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now, so the Scriptures testify Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a testimony or testified against this world. Holy Ghost testifies Jesus Christ. And as you think about this right in this world, right at the moment, is that I think, as one man said, I think evil is on the uprise because the Western world was given the, the moral the moral uh, standing that we have got for, through the Jews when the Jews gave us the Bible, think about it, and we believe the God of the Bible, and of course we testify to the God of the Bible, and who's that? Jesus Christ. So the world's not going to love us when we testify to Jesus Christ because we're actually testifying to the unbeliever that they also need to believe and don't make... God a liar, like he says, um, but received the witness that Jesus Christ came into this world to die for our sins, was buried and rose again. So when you consider then that we, have, we are now a witness, we're a witness unto Christ, when Christ was here, he testified against this world. And of course we have the Holy Spirit within us that testifies to Christ. So we then for, I think therefore, we are to testify to the world that God sent his son when we walked after the spirit. So meaning this, meaning this, you know that in Romans 8 where he says, Romans 8 he says, um, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are what? Sons of God. Yeah, so as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Um, that's Romans 8, where is that verse? Uh, I had it written down here somewhere. It's Romans 8, 26 might not be that far down. He says, but he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, here's the thing. When you and I are led by the Spirit of God, we are going to testify then that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. Would you agree with me? That's our testimony. Now, beware that the brethren, and I'll use the brethren in this, ca in this case, will want to squash that even in the church today. The churches don't want you and I to testify that Jesus Christ came into this world. They don't want to be hated anymore. They want to be what? No. Accepted or received or whatever, whatever, however far you go down the rabbit hole, I guess. But So we are here to testify to the word of God, Jesus Christ, and these things. Um, so therefore, if you think about it, but we have a record, and that record that we know that we have eternal life. Now, one, one thing, come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me for a moment. Am I going too fast for everyone? 
Jan says yes. She's, Jan says I'm going too fast. Lorena, am I going too fast? Is <laughs> uh, <no>, okay. <laughs> chapter three. We'll go to First Corinthians chapter three for a moment. Just want to. We won't. I don't want to get off the subject too much here, but there is an important truth within this passage. Without going through the whole passage here. Paul is saying to the, the Corinthians, well, he said, you know, we're really nothing unless God gives the increase. You know, he said Paul planted, you know, or someone watered, he planted, but God giveth the increase. Then he went on to say that, you know, we're labourers together with God. And then he talks about him being a master builder. He talks about the foundation, which we won't get into at the moment, but that foundation has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. So you and I trust on the works of Christ, not our own. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, he says, gold, silver, precious, wood and hay and stubble, that every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, for the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So our work really, our work as a believer through the Holy Ghost is to testify to Jesus Christ, the gospel, the word of God and and the fact that we are building our life upon that foundation which has already been laid which was Jesus Christ and therefore we have the written word and God is, John's writing to us and he's saying, he's writing to the believer that our joy might be full, that we might know we have eternal life and this is important because even the communist countries didn't like a, like a born again believer because do you know why? Control. You can't control them. <laughs> yes, yes. Amen. Uh, the independent Baptist churches don't like you either. Why? Because they can't control you. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit it's a bit funny if you think about it. But but we do have a foundation, and we're built upon that foundation. And as I said before, Christianity is not a commodity. Um, you know, people are merchandising and they're building these big churches nowadays. But notice that if it's not built upon the right foundation, Paul says at the judgment seat of Christ that those works will be tried as so by fire and if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so by his fire. I really believe in my heart that there's going to be a lot of these pastors and a lot of people are going to end up in heaven. They are saved but there's going to be some big, as they used to say, some big bonfires because it was never, they never put the foundation back on Jesus Christ. They never put the foundation that we're saved. They never put the fact that we're to testify and those things. Then he goes on and he says, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So we know that Christ is in us. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it's written, He taketh the wise in their own Craftiness, And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, they are, are vain. And then he goes, verse 21, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are who? 
yours. So this glorying in men should be really stamped out because you and I have everything. Everything is ours. That's what he says. And I think that's really important to, to keep in mind that all things are yours. All things are ours. Uh, we have that inheritance in Christ. So, so we come back to, so this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. Now this is the issue. The issue is, I think, the black and white scriptures, <laughs> the words written down. <laughs> this is the record. And of course, we could continue in that. Now, so if you think about it with me for a moment, from, that, from just looking at that study or that lesson, then as a believer, would you still stay with strangers? No. No, no you wouldn't, would you? So therefore, it is, it is, it's important for us then to be say, led by God, led by the Lord, you know, to, for him to lead us. And I think what the big problem is, when I read this, it's my faith that gets under attack. My strangers or um, where he says in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 14, he said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And there always seems to be somebody around that seems to want to attack our faith or they want to or they want to put the emphasis maybe on themselves generally. They want to put them emphasis maybe on a on the work of God that's on earth rather than put the emphasis that the work has already taken place when Christ died for us, put the emphasis back where it belongs and I think then the other one is that seems to be under attack is that your faith in Jesus Christ and the word of God allows you and I have that liberty where we don't need to be controlled by men especially the brethren uh, that's one thing I've noticed and generally the brethren if they have nothing to do with it they say it's not of God or if they can't explain it it's not of the Lord but to have that freedom we have in Jesus Christ and the Word of God does give us the, fr the freedom then to testify to Jesus Christ. And yet sometimes I've noticed that when you testify to the Word of God and Jesus Christ, if you notice that the preeminence doesn't go back to the Lord, they want to take that preeminence from, they want to sort of take that witness from you. Um, I, I remember when it was the day when if you did something for the Lord, people were for you <laughs> do you know what I mean there was a but now but that I don't know how that is all over the world but I've definitely noticed there's a there's an attack there and I think one of the, the reason there is an attack is because because this is the attack and I think it's found in first John five ten, where John says he that believeth on the son of God have the witness in himself he that believeth not God have made him what? A liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. So how dear God then can a pastor get up and preach when he actually calls God a liar in the way he preaches? Think about it. 
<laughs> it's something to meditate upon, you know. Have a think about how many people are really calling God a liar by actually denying that we have the record and where maybe it was the shift seemed to move from where the Bible was definitely more in the pew, that was the idea, and people and the believer were, were taking the written word of God to themselves personally as a believer because that's what John's saying, I write these things unto you that your joy may be full, where that seems to be now shifted and it's shifted, I think, towards, um, I don't know, you could think what way you want to think it's shifted, but it's definitely shifted from back to that fact. So on saying all that, guys, that is the record. This is the record, and whatever you want to think from there, you may. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good.